Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles In the marbles Hey guys, welcome to episode 47 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. I am Ethan. You can find me on Twitter at Viva Ethan. My name's Soda. You can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. All right, 47. First paint scheme, driver, whatever that comes to your mind. When you think of 47, you'll never guess who I'm going to say. Um, let me, uh, I'm going to say, you're going to say, uh, Jack Smith. No. Oh, okay. Marcus Ambrose. No. Okay. I give up. Ron Bouchard. Ooh. That's the, that's the one I think of just because he was one of those drivers that, back in the eighties that never, never really won mm-hmm. a whole lot, but was always there. And he got his first wins like a crazy fluke type win at Talladega when Daryl Waltrip and somebody, I forget who it was. My been Terry Labonte was racing each other side by side coming through the trioval. Ron Bouchard was right behind him in third and he used a slingshot to get by them and win in a three wide photo finish. Ooh. That was his first, I don't, maybe his only win. That that definitely was his only mm-hmm. win, at least in the forty seven car for sure. I don't think he drove anything else. If he did, it wasn't did. notable, you know. But I remember the the yellow and white with the mm-hmm. blue trim. I remember uh, that paint scheme. I remember him driving the Valvoline scheme a little later on in the eighties. Yeah, that's the yeah. first one that comes to my to my mind. Um, I mean, recently, you know, you know, we have a Daytona five hundred winner. Right, but Ron Bouchard is it for me. What about you? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to settle with uh, Ricky Stenhouse. <laughs> but I think of that really cool NOS Energy yeah. paint scheme, I think from 2000, I don't know, 2021 or something. But it certainly was not the paint scheme that he had this weekend at Vegas. That Coca-Cola paint scheme was horrendous. Well, I know what they're going for because the... The Coke Zero, because it was a Coke Zero paint paint scheme. It wasn't a Coca-Cola or anything specific like that. It was was very Coke Zero. That's what it was. And if you look at a can of Coke Zero, yeah, it's dark red with black lettering on it. Right. You know, it's just, it looks weird. I mean, it looks fine with a can because you're sitting there, you're up close with it and stuff. But when you put black lettering on a dark race car you can't Ugh. you can't read it it's horrible yeah it's 
I never was a fan of that. I, I always, I always was a fan. Like I, I kind of contradicted myself a little bit because I do like the gold numbers on the red. Right. You know, and I understand that's, that's a different look, but it has like, the same mentality to it. It's dark on dark. It's just kind of hard to read, but black is the worst. If you can't, I feel like they should have inverted the numbers at least. Like if you want to leave mm -hmm. the lettering on the side, the way it is, I mean, it's whatever. Um, it looked a little funky with the black, uh, lettering and then a big white Coke and then black lettering underneath it. That looked funky. Yeah. Um, I feel like that all should have been uniform, maybe mm. outlined in silver, like a reflective chrome silver. Yes. But the numbers should have been reversed. They should have had white numbers on the card. And it wouldn't would have been so bad to me. Part. It would have yeah. been awful. It would have been great, but it would, would have been at least tolerable. Yeah, I really like the simplistic paint schemes, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the Dale Earnhardt, the solid black thing. Really love so like just simplistic paint schemes. That one would have been a good one. It just looked awkward and very off peeling. Is that a word? Off peeling? Mm. That's, that's not a word. Unappealing. Unappealing. Yeah. <laughs> off peeling. <laughs> uh, wow. We're off to a strong start on episode 47. Oval Arthur's Ooh. Unite. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's going to be a t-shirt, man. Oh, It's going to be a t-shirt. <laughs> I can't wait. I just got to figure out what I want to do with it. Oh, I got awesome. an idea. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> um, awesome. Um, yeah, like, as far as, like, the, the simplistic paint schemes, like, some of them, it's it's funny how some of them work, but then some of them really don't. Like right. last year's throwback with uh, Joey Logano, it was that dark red, that maroon looking red with gold numbers, and right. I liked yeah. that. I thought that worked really well. I mean, I don't like Logano, but I sure did like the paint scheme. It almost looked like a Bobby Allison throwback when it turned out to be more like I think his personal car, like a personal. Yeah old oh yeah is. but because it's 22 and it's red with gold which bobby allison drove a coca-cola car red with gold numbers it it looked great i guess nowadays that would be the caffeine free coca-cola mm. wouldn't that be it yeah the red with gold lettering on the can uh they're they're so weird but what they do but yeah i wasn't a fan of that 47 car this week i know a lot of people said it was beautiful but I don't Oof. know why. Man, I hope they all go get their eyes checked because that was horrendous. Um, there's something it's it's something that happens rarely in NASCAR. Something mm -hmm. happened last week that we yeah. completely didn't even bring up. I meant to bring it up, but we didn't bring it up. There was a photo from California going around the internet. With Ross Chastain running the high line, maybe about a lane and lane off the wall. And just right to the outside of that car was mm. a black cat on the racetrack. Now, this kind of stuff happens once in a while. I mean, I know I've seen plenty yeah. of birds explode on the oh, front yeah. of the cars at Daytona. You know, you, you see this stuff, Pocono, you see all sorts of animals run across the, run across the racetrack and I've seen foxes. Uh, yeah. I remember a beaver was on the track one day. Mm -hmm. Just crazy stuff, you know, when it comes to this, especially with some of these uh, 
tracks that are kind of out in the wilderness, but I mean, not that California was right, but domesticated animal came on track. Anyway, a black cat ran across the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Well, he made it to the high line. Yeah, that's, uh, that was a, the picture was Ross Chastain beside the cat. And I'm thinking, wow, Ross Chastain, as I heard I also uh, with the tweets and stuff, like, unfortunately, the cat didn't make it. I was like, okay, well, that wasn't brought up on the broadcast at all. I don't even think they realized it happened. It's like, yeah, who, who hit him? And then you saw another shot uh, that somebody took from uh, the TV where mm. you could see the little black dot by the wall and Ross Chastain beside it. But then in that high line, just behind Chastain was Ryan Blaney. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, I'm not laughing at the fact that the cat got killed. It's just such a weird situation. And then coming yeah. to the pits after the race, there's a picture of Blaney's car in the pits. And there was a uh, red on the, it like red paint on the right front headlight area mm-hmm. of the car. So putting one and one together here, you know, it looks like Ryan Blaney killed a cat last week on, on the racetrack. Um, we didn't even bring that up. I forgot all about it while we were recording. It's funny because things just keep slipping our minds. Mm-hmm. And they never even mentioned on the broadcast as far as I know. But that stuff happens once in a while. Yeah, it's, you know, you almost see it more at local tracks because for some odd reason, uh, people think, hey, we're going to a local dirt track tonight. Let's bring our, like, I almost said parents. Let's <laughs> let's bring our pets. Let's bring our dogs and our cats and stuff. Like, it's actually a real common thing for us <laughs> that here must, in Humble. Must be a Kansas thing. I don't ever see that down here. <laughs> I I guess because man, and it makes me so uneasy because I love animals. I love dogs and cats and you know everything. Birds make me a little nervous. Not a big fan of birds, uh, but like dogs and cats and animals man i'm like they're parts of our family you know that's just kind of my mentality about it so when i when i heard about the black cat at fontana i was so sad i was like oh man like i'm that guy that has to flip the channels when that you know really sad um animal abuse commercials come on you know you hear that opening song and i have to like La 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 until I can get to the remote and either mute it and then change the channel or just straight up change the channel. But the whole time I'm like la 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 la, so I don't hear anything that's gonna upset me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tough situation. It's it's weird how it wasn't brought up at all. It's like right. they didn't even know it was happening. But and I don't I don't even think they brought out a caution. They didn't. Did they? No. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be anything to bring out a caution for, though. I mean, honestly, well, I mean, if they saw it out there, they would have brought a caution out. But I think it just pretty much hopped over the wall and it, or run up the track and it got hit. Like it wasn't a situation so, where it was running around and everybody noticed it. So maybe the picture that I saw of that black cat looking like a black, it almost looked like a trash bag, you know? Um, I guess that picture that I saw was when the cat was alive and then 10, not, well, not 10 seconds, but like uh, two, two yeah, and a half two sec- seconds later. If yeah. That. 
Yeah, two and a half seconds later, it was unalive. Just out of frame was Ryan Blaney. But what I mean, where would the carcass go? What it was it stuck up in the in the race car or I bet some of it probably was, but I think for the most part it just kind of if you want to be graphic, it probably got blown into a million pieces. They were oh, going about true, 196 yeah. miles an hour through that corner. Yeah, that's true. Have, have you seen one they're... of the birds when they hit at Daytona? Oh, yes. There's nothing I've left. Seen the bird. <laughs> that's true. The only thing left is like a little bit of feather and guts on the headlight. That's that is it. Mm-hmm. It is. It has been just disintegrated. That's true. I just kind of figured there would be a, some sort of, you know, what you would count as debris. You know, like a debris caution. You don't have to tell us what it is. Just tell us that there's debris. Maybe I, keep it off TV. I guess I it know. wasn't enough to pick up. That's true. It's, yeah, that was rough. Um, yeah. You were talking about bringing animals to the local dirt track. I've never seen that. You, I mean, I think maybe once or twice, maybe in the pit, somebody brought a big dog out there. But it ain't mm-hmm. like nobody's nobody in my local dirt tracks bring animals. They do bring their infants, though. Mm. Yeah, we, uh, our area, it's like every time you go to one of these races, there's like five or six infant babies out Aww. there. Like, okay, I, I get it. You, you got family or something that's racing and you want to be out there to support them and stuff like that. But goodness, you brought your, your like two week old baby, you know? Yeah. That's a, and you know, it gets dusty. And sometimes at night it gets cold at these tracks. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it does down here. I can't imagine what it does over there. Where you? Oh, live. it's freezing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I raced one night in this thing called the Winter Nationals. It takes place about maybe about, maybe about uh, two weeks ago from where I am now. I don't remember seeing it advertised this past year. I'm sure it did. But we have hmm. these things called the Winter Nationals, and it's in Florida. It's in Milton, Florida. One night. When we got done racing, we got back to the car and there was ice on our windshields and we were sitting out there in that mess. You know, just I was racing in that jump. Right. Can you imagine having your little two or three week old baby, you know, in a little bassinet out there? Because that's what they do. They bring the little 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 bassinets or pack and plays or something. And they lay them down and they sit there and they sleep through that. And some of them are conscious enough to bring some kind of ear protection for them. I just, that always bothered me. That part bothered me. We never did that with with Skyler or any of the boys. They were they were at least toddlers before we brought them out. You know, right. they were at least yeah, like they were at least sitting up seven, eight, nine months old or something. You know, before we brought them it was infant babies. I mean, goodness gracious. Anyway, right, and like with the whole pet thing, like when I uh, when um, Tony Stewart came to my local dirt track a couple years ago to race uh, sprint cars, I was sitting on the bleachers or the grandstands at the very very top, so I can just all I had to do was look over and I saw his where he was, um, his car was you know, or I saw where they were parked at in the pits. And I saw that she had uh, dogs Mm -hmm. like Tony Stewart always goes to the racetrack with dogs. And um, every time he would go out to either heat race, qualifying, hot laps, B main, A main, whatever, uh, he would always put them in his transporter and 
uh, lift the like close the door. Mm-hmm. So there's no way for them to get out. So if you're gonna do it like that, by all means, that's cool, whatever. But like with the baby, you know, the infants and stuff, I don't get that because I would be a little bit more like cautious. But I do understand that, like you know, your your significant other might be racing. Yeah, I, I get you know? that. It's just goodness. I, I don't know. Yeah, with with all the dust that you get, you know, and you know, you got these little babies just trying to live for the first time ever, just you know, yeah. two weeks into it, two, three weeks into it. I just, man, it's, it's tough to see out there sometime, but yeah, but sure. still, um, to each his own, I guess, uh, every, not every little infant raised up at dirt track racing turned out awful. So that's yeah. true. Guys, Lord knows I was out there before one, one year old so that's not a good uh endorsement i don't reckon but yeah, ah, still right uh we do have one piece of news that broke pretty much like the friday before the yes. race uh chase elliott broke his was it his tibula or he fractured his um oh no, gosh tibula or fibula one of the Tibby, yeah one of those two tib- what? Yeah, his leg. He broke his leg bad yeah. enough to where he needed surgery for it to fix. It. I think a three hour surgery for what I heard. So yeah, three hours. I, his leg was probably just flopping oh. <laughs> like Sid Vicious Ugh. style. You know what I mean? Oh, man, that <laughs> makes my back hurt. Makes my knees hurt. Ugh, just thinking about well, it. that's like the that's like that's the kind of breaks that you need two or three hour surgeries for. Right. You know, I mean, there's some serious repair work, and he's gonna miss months due to that. So, the big question that Josh Berry uh, covered for him this weekend probably won't be Josh Berry coming up, but who knows? They might rotate different drivers in there. I saw one person say, "Hey, they need to put Jimmy Johnson in that car." It's like he's he has his own team now, so yeah, that's probably not gonna happen. But wishful thinking. Um. Somebody's like Dale Jr. Put Dale Jr. in the car. Dale Jr. wants nothing to do with it. Y'all just no. I will. They're gonna they're gonna bring up some Xfinity drivers to get them going with the car a little bit, just to fill in. I mean, that's what they're gonna do. They're just gonna bounce back and forth between a few Xfinity drivers. I'm sure. Um. Oh yeah. So the big question is: Does Chase Elliott get a waiver? For the playoffs. I mean, he has to win, obviously. Like, if he comes back and he doesn't win, he's not going to make the playoffs. But if he comes back and he wins, does he get a waiver to get into the playoffs, even though he didn't start every race and this accident didn't happen on the racetrack? Yeah, so you and I had a really nice conversation about this because I look at the waiver system as in, like, kind of as like uh, car insurance everybody has to have car insurance and you know depending on obviously what state you you're in but uh car insurance is there for safety whether it's you know your in fault of the accident or not um it's still there it's kind of like a safety net i kind of thought that was the same thing with the with the waiver uh system but i i guess i could be wrong I don't see why NASCAR wouldn't give him a waiver, but 
they're projecting uh, Chase Elliott only to be missing like maybe a month's worth of races. So when back in 2015, and it's a completely different situation, mm-hmm. when Kyle Busch uh, wrecked in the Xfinity race, he broke a leg and he broke the opposite foot. Uh, and he missed 11 races. And there, I've already heard, you know, Denny Hamlin talk about it uh, on his podcast, Door Pumper Clear, Dale Jr. Everyone's pretty much hearing that Chase Elliott will be back in a month or maybe a little like a month in a week or something. So he's not going to miss too much. And if you don't think that, you know, Chase Elliott's going to, I mean, he's going to be a hundred percent like he's, I don't think this is going to affect him in the race car as much as everybody thinks it will. I think once you get that adrenaline pumping, it's long races for sure. But I feel like Chase Elliott's going to be that one driver that he's going to look at the situation and think, man, I cannot be the reason why my race team is slow or I can't be the reason why my race team is struggling. So I think, Kind of like Denny Hamlin said on his uh, newest episode of his podcast that, you know, with the NASCAR ruling when it comes to, you know, drug abuse or like any of that, they can't take painkillers at at all. So it's one of those things that Denny Hamlin talked about when he uh, tore his ACL, he had to go get his knee drained 30 minutes before the race. And it was, I think... I don't know what he said, like Michigan or something. One of those really long, grueling races. And he just, you know, he said, I never once thought about it. Yeah, it hurt, but I never once thought about, oh, man, I, I you know, I can't do this. So kind of just saying that Chase is going to have to just kind of buck up and, and man up in, you know, less words and going to have to just figure it out so i think that's what he's gonna do i don't think he's gonna i don't think this is gonna hinder him as much i think he's gonna still win at least two races before the playoffs so i don't know it's gonna be really interesting to see what nascar rules on this i personally feel that yeah when he comes back i don't think he'll miss a beat i mean i I feel the same way right but i also know it's tough to win these races and even though he had a really good year last year and was the winningest driver in the regular season. Kevin Harvick also won like what nine one year, and then next year mm-hmm. he didn't win any. So right. this kind of stuff happens. And without that win, I mean, honestly, with the win, I don't think it would matter anyway, because you have to. They've already said it. You have to attempt to start every single cup race. That's what they said. You don't have to be in the top 30. You have to attempt to start every single cup race. And you talk about that waiver being like car insurance. That's, yeah, I agree. But car insurance is not going to cover your snowboard. That's true. I mean, if, if you got in a wreck in a car, yeah, I get it. He didn't get a wreck in the car. Right. He, he did something on his own time that had nothing to do with NASCAR. And now me personally, I don't think it's going to go down this way, but me personally, that's out of NASCAR's hands. And NASCAR's like, I'm sorry. You, 
I, I we can't grant a waiver for that. That had nothing to do with us. You know, that, right. that's it's nothing legal or anything like that. It's nothing, you know, against the law or anything he did. It'd be a different situation if he had like, you know, done something stupid with alcohol or whatever, and it got him hurt or got him in jail or something stupid like that for a little bit. But this was just an accident. Yeah. But I don't know. It has nothing to do with NASCAR. So I can't imagine the thought process other than, well, this is the most popular driver. We're going to make sure he gets in the chase. Other than that mindset, I can't imagine NASCAR saying, oh, yeah, we'll grant that because that just opens up this huge, like, Pandora's box full of reasons why you can get this waiver for missing races. That has nothing to do with the fact that you got hurt in a car or maybe uh, something fell through with the team that was out of your control or something like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's such a different situation than Kyle Busch's situation. The fact that he mm-hmm. got hurt in a car before the Daytona 500 even started. And on top of that, NASCAR gave him a number. Like once he won, you know, he, he's like, hey, I can still make the, the chase, right? Still make these uh, these playoffs. These cha- I guess they call it the chase back then. But I can still make this, right? It's like, if you finish in the top 30 in points, yes. And he did it. They, they gave him a number, and he met that number. Everybody says, well, they just handed that to him because he missed half the races or whatever it was. They just handed him a little asterisk by that championship. No, NASCAR gave him a number to meet. If he didn't meet that number, he wasn't going to go. But he was yeah. just that good when he came back, and he wound up beating everybody at the end. Yeah, a lot of people forget that uh, Kyle Busch came back after 11 weeks of um, rehab for that, that injury he had. And I think it was like two weeks after he came back, he won Sonoma. Mm-hmm. And then he went and won Indianapolis. And then he, he went. He was on a roll. Yeah, he won like three before the playoffs. So, I mean, people that sit there and say, oh, you know, asterisks by that championship, obviously don't understand logic or like doesn't understand like direction because they said, you know, as long as you're you know, above 30 in points, you're good. Not only was he above 30th in points, he had three wins. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, (laughs) I don't know why, you know, that's even a discussion, but that was really frustrating. But I I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I can see it both ways. If they don't get a waiver, I'm okay with that. Totally okay with that. I feel that's why it should go down. Me personally. But anyway. So let me ask you this. Um, since okay, so the situation was Chase Elliott was in Colorado the the day of qualifying. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when that happened because yeah, I heard about it like it was announced that day. But yeah, what's he doing in Colorado? Well, I mean, well, when you're a a millionaire, you know, but get to the dang track. Right. I mean, I, I, I understand that those two places ge- geographically are not that far away from each other. I understand that because driving a truck, um, 
there I think there's actually an interstate that runs pretty much from one to the other. Right. Where they're going. You know, you go through oh, the country out there is amazing. Mm. But it's like there's there's places in Utah that's nothing but red canyons as far as you can see. Right. It's the craziest thing. And you're driving on top of them. Like the interstate runs on top of them all. That's wild. It's it's the craziest thing. And then you, it's nothing, nothing, nothing except those canyons and these mountains and stuff. It's all red, red and sandy, you know, like desert looking. Mm. And then you come through this little passing and you look down like you're up, you're up, you're way up. And you look down, it's nothing but desert except for this really, really bright dot way off in the distance. And when you get closer and closer, that dot just starts to spread and spread. And next thing you know, you're in Vegas. Right. It's it's the craziest thing because you can see Vegas like miles away mm. from this one, uh, the one route in. Come, I don't know which route it is. I don't know if it's 15 or what. I, don't, I haven't been there so long. But when you're coming into it, from the east it's just it's it's nothing it's barren it's absolutely nothing until you you kind of crest over the the mountain and you're coming down and you see this little bright jewel they call it the desert jewel right right i mean that's what it it, it's what it looks like you have you know at night anyway i've i've seen the day it's not near as impressive it's just a little city off in the distance right but at night it's this really really bright spectacular thing and when you come up on it, the first thing you come to is a racetrack yeah it's it's right there on the outskirts of vegas it's uh, uh, right off the have, interstate too have you ever been to vegas i mean like the Through city it. not not actually stopped and been in it other than a truck stop mm. or tank wash or I mean, a truck wash yeah um other than that no just i we stopped in it i think there was a uh I want to say there was a truck stop with an in and out around it or something like that. And we, we might have got some food there once overrated, mm. but whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, just stopped on the way through, never really been able to do anything. We didn't have our own vehicle, you know, so we were right. a semi, you can't take a semi down the strip. You know what I mean? Oh, you definitely can. It's just, well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going right. to take a semi down the strip. Right. When I went to Vegas, uh, I was 18 years old and I was there for my sister's wedding. And so I couldn't do much like everybody, the whole bridal uh, party. I think that's what you call it. Uh, bridal party. They all were over 21. So they were able to go on this uh, tour of the Grand Canyon. Well, that left me the only minor uh, to kind of just spend the day in vegas so i kind of just walked the strip with my four dollars and change in my pocket because that's all <laughs> i had and um i i never obviously got to gamble i never got to do really anything simply because i was 18 so i want to go back and i really want to gamble you can't gamble on uh at 18 uh, well this was also 11 years ago so things were a little bit different still i thought you could because um, I, I thought that was the big deal about um, uh, what's that movie? Uh, that Vegas Vacation mm. movie, the Clark Griswold movie. I watched that so many times when I was a kid. It's so stupid, but I thought that was a big deal with him, as he wasn't eighteen yet. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe it is twenty-one, but I, I mean, you're there, you would know. But uh, I, I could have swore I've been eighteen. Maybe it was just um, certain 
casinos that I was in or something like that. But yeah, I, I remember I had a lot of eyes on me every time because, <laughs> uh, normally, um, you had to have like a, a, like a bracelet. So, you know, security knows that you're good to go. But our, uh, hotel was right above like the same building, just right above the, the casino. So I didn't necessarily need a, uh, wristband to go to my hotel room, but, I had a lot of eyes on me, and I I remember that I could not even look at a a, a machine in there. So I don't know. Maybe I misunderstood him or something. So earlier today, I was listening to Stolen Gimmicks Pro Wrestling podcast with Jordan and Joe, and uh, I know Fully Posable does it a lot as well. The guest, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna change it up a little bit. It's I'm gonna name it Who Am I? Isn't that <laughs> isn't that who isn't that the same thing that you a couple weeks ago? Uh what I did was uh nicknames. Oh that's right. Okay. <laughs> so I have this game. I have five facts, and you're gonna try to guess the na- the the race car driver. Okay. Okay. Without so, Googling, yes. Hint number one. My average finish at Phoenix Raceway is 24.7. Goodness. Okay. That means he has to be somebody from 88 to now. True. Uh, Hint number two. Best finish at Phoenix Raceway is 16th. So not a winner and not even a top 10 driver might be right. fairly new with that kind of an average no uh hit number three currently a nascar driver cup series yes okay well, you gotta be uh, specific now you can't just say nascar because obviously <laughs> phoenix is gonna take well, three different series you know well the other hints might give it away so that's why i was like oh i don't know if i should say cup series but yes uh current driver in the nascar cup series hint number four my best finish at the daytona 500 is third okay and the final hint is i have raced for three or four teams depending on how you look at it Hmm. who am i Uh, see, the problem is you, you're picking somebody I think that's going to be fairly new. And I just, because uh, I feel like this is somebody that's, I feel like this is somebody that's maybe more prominent in the lower series than he actually is in the cup series. Maybe so, not as successful, like maybe not like overly successful at it, but at least is known better for the lower series than the higher series. So, uh, he made and okay. So I'm trying to figure out when he debuted in the Cup Series. It says. 
I made my debut in NASCAR competition in 2011, driving two races in a nationwide series. He then returned to the series, and I think that's just for Xfinity series, not Cup series. So that doesn't really mm-hmm. help anything. But he's been around. He's for, been around, yeah, for quite a while. And well, I'm not going to give you that hint either. He's he's actively. He's won a cup race. Is it Mike? No, it's not. I was gonna say I was gonna say a name, but no, it's not because that would throw that third Daytona out of the window. Right. <laughs> well dang. <laughs> uh I'm gonna just I'm gonna throw it out there just to see Eric Jones. Very good guess, but no. Okay. Mm. Well, I give up. That's my guess. All right. Eric Jones. <laughs> you want one more guess? I'll give you one more. Well, You're my, on the right track. My initial thought was Ty Dillon, but I don't... I wasn't thinking it was him because I didn't think he's been in Cup that long. He he won a cup race last season. Yeah, Ty Dillon hadn't even won a cup race, so yeah. Well, yeah, I just got like what twenty drivers to go through now. <laughs> Nineteen, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's gotta be um, like Briscoe. Uh, someone like that. Yeah, yeah. that. That would be a good guess. That's not who we're looking for, but he's, <laughs> I mean, you're right there. Yeah. Chris Busher. Busher. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, what was the other race he won? Pocono. It was Pocono, wasn't it? The fog race? Uh, yes. Wasn't that the other one he won? Yes. You're right. So you go and throw these like newer guys out there. I'm not going to remember all the stuff they did. Okay. But I'll remember some of the older guys. I will keep that in mind. Really, next really time. well. But next time we do that. Yeah, so I was in the ballpark of the type of driver. Absolutely. I was looking for, but I just wasn't there. It's very impressed. Nah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got another one or is that it? Oh no, that was that was the only one I All had. right. Yeah. Well we'll continue that eventually. Cool. We'll figure something out with that. That's that's cool. Oh, that's a yeah, it's a different twist on what they do. Yeah, for sure. All the other shows do. Um, before we talk about Vegas, I say we take a break. Um, and on the way to the break, I want to mention SkinnyMixes.com, like I do every week. Uh, go to SkinnyMixes.com, check them out. They're a no sugar, no calorie, um, sometimes even keto, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, syrups for uh, cocktails and mocktails even and coffee. So you can get all sorts of different flavors, different types of syrups. Um, I, I literally have like normally, I normally say eight or nine different flavors in my cabinet right now. And it's absolutely true. Uh, even took a bottle to Disney world. when We went just so we can make that coffee taste exactly the way we like it at home. And if you go to skinnymixes.com. And you go to check out, use the code MARBLES, and you can get 10% off your first order. So check them out. I'm sure you'll find something you like, especially if you uh, are one of these people like me that 
absolutely hate sugar. You know, sugar is evil to some people like me. So go to skimmisses.com, check them out. Boom. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here. I'm pulling up a chair. So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, but come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The kids are the kids are a bear. They are. Uh, but yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right, so we put it off long enough. We got to talk about Vegas. Uh, I don't want to. So, <sighs> you know, you don't, but sometimes when you watch a football game, mm. okay, you get this uh, crazy game. Like it's 52 to 48 when a last second uh, Hail Mary touchdown wins the game. Sometimes you get that. And it's the most amazing thing. All, all back and forth, all game long, or maybe there's an amazing comeback and they win the game. Really, really exciting, riveting TV. Then sometimes you get a Mississippi State versus Auburn three to two finish. That's a literal game that happened a long time ago. Oh, like that I saw in my lifetime. Anyway, it finished three to two, and I think Auburn won it three to two. The worst football game I've ever seen in my entire life. That's kind of like what happened at Vegas. It maybe it wasn't that bad because you did get a little bit of a finish, but in a three to two game, I feel like you get a finish too, right? Somebody's about right. to win the game. You know, if you have, if you're the one with two and you have the ball at the end of the game, then you could possibly win the game. But because that's kind of how it was at Vegas, dude. That was one of the most boring races, like yeah. in a long time. It, you know what's really what really sucks about it is last week I sat here and I still stand by it. Um, I went back and rewatched last week's race at Fontana, like the the full four hours of it. I went back and rewatched it because it was such a fun race. And last year or last week on the uh, on the podcast, I said that um, last week's race at Fontana was the fun the most fun race I have ever witnessed on TV. And I still stand by that. And I was really excited because of how really strong Kyle Busch was at the 500, how he was last week. And then I was 
actually at work. I got home about 30, about 45 minutes after the race started. So I, I didn't see Kyle Busch hitting the wall. I didn't see anything pretty much from the first stage. I didn't see any of that. So I tuned in right when it was Kyle Busch was struggling. Well, not so much struggling, but like kind of stuck in the top, you know, like nine. Yeah. He was pretty much that way all day long. Yeah, so I I mean it was very very frustrating not only for me watching my favorite driver but like just everything. It was just a very bland race. It it was every stage um it had the same look where you would get some really good racing for about a lap and a half. Uh-huh. And then the top 3 would separate themselves by like 3 or 4 seconds each. Right. And it would finish that way. Every every long run had that. And there, I think there was really only, other than that that, that Eric, Eric Amarola thing at the very end, I think there was only one caution that wasn't stage. Right? The Logano one? Uh, oh, see, I, I don't even know. I, I know Logano. I think that, if anything, I think that was the first one. But I want to say that's the only non-stage caution other than that Eric Amarola that put it in overtime. Yeah. I I want to agree with you. But Pretty sure. Like right off the bat, Joey Logano, he went backwards. Like, he sat on the pole, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. So right off the bat, 10 laps in, he's going backwards. Which is shocking. Yeah. A lot of people just didn't have this. I mean – Austin Cindric is your top Penske guy in like what six, seventh, eighth, somewhere in there. Something's um, something's wrong with the balance of those Fords. Yeah, Fords, and it was weird because Ryan Blaney had a really, really fast car in practice. Logano obviously sets on the pole, and then I don't know. Within that twelve hours, man, Fords just went to sleep and never woke up. Yeah, they um. I don't know if it was a product of maybe it was a little cooler. The uh, track was overcast just about the entire time. I don't know if it had anything to do with it because, yeah, that on a track like Vegas, the temperatures of the track and the, uh, the fact that the sun's not out, not heating things up, it does completely change the way some of these cars will handle. Everybody in that entire field was complaining about being tight. And that's straight up a product of the fact that the sun wasn't out. Right. If the sun's out, it heats up the track. It loosens the track up because you start losing grip. But when the um, cloud cover is there and the track's cooled off, not only are the engines running faster because cooler temperatures make the engines run better, but you get more grip. So now you have a faster car with more grip when you're not set up for more grip. You're set up for a loose grip you know, less grip track. Now all of a sudden you're pushing through the corners. It means the front end of the car wants to go straight up through the corner. Instead of the rear end wanting to come around and you're trying to spin out. Now you're trying to keep it off the wall by, you know, the car pushing. I I know you know this. I'm just saying this for the benefit of anybody listening. It might not completely understand. Oh, absolutely. It's like when I drove my race cars, we had front wheel drive cars. Those pushed they pushed all the time. There was no loose in a front wheel drive car. You know, that's these cars were wheel drive, obviously, in the Cup Series. So they spin out 
you know, you get power to the real wheels and they lose traction, they spin out. The um, problem that they have when they're pushing is that they, they only get that way when they come off the corner because they're putting so much wheel into it, trying to keep the car from just sliding up the track nose first. When they come off the corner and they go to straighten the wheel up, it breaks the car loose. Right. And that's why you saw so many people hit the wall coming off the corners like Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch was the one main guy that was really, really noticeable how tight he was. And you saw it when he come off that corner that time and hit the wall. Because that's exactly what happened. He had to push loose. That's what it's called. When you, you're you pushing so hard coming off the corner, trying to keep it off the wall, but keep your speed up. Right. It just snaps the car loose when you go to straighten it up. And that, that was that way with a bunch of people. And I think it was straight up the temperatures. But, man, it made it where people just couldn't, they couldn't race each other. They, I, they couldn't keep up with each other. Everybody just kind of separated themselves. And it just made it frustrating. It, it seemed like it was frustrating for the drivers. And it was definitely frustrating to watch. Oh, it was absolutely frustrating to watch for sure. I was, I was just hoping, you know, for something like a caution of some sort. And I kind of thought it was going to be another Fontana where, you know, we didn't see a caution for the last 40, 40 so laps. And I was just like, man, it's almost kind of like, I'm just, I, I don't know if I want to see something exciting happen or if I just want this nightmare to be over with. There's a couple of things going on right there at the end of the race. Um, Kyle Larson had it in the bag. Oh, absolutely. He wasn't the fastest car all day long. That went to William Byron. I mean, he straight up dominated that race. He, he made that race boring. Right. But towards the end of it, Kyle Larson got in front and he had him a lead. He had a good lead. So he was, all he was doing was just waiting on the race to end. So, the fact that he wasn't the fastest car all day long, that doesn't, in my mind, say, well, NASCAR stole this race from Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson. That doesn't that doesn't sit in my mind because he wasn't the fastest car all day long. William Byron earned this win. I mean, it wouldn't have happened that way if it wasn't for the caution, but I saw that wreck. That dude was completely sideways in the middle of the corner. I mean, yeah, he got it straightened out, but he was completely sideways in the middle of the corner. Right. I'm not upset that they threw that caution. Oh, no, not. No. I, I've seen it, though. I've seen it on Twitter saying uh, the 10 car wasn't even straight yet. Like he wasn't even uh, rolling yet. And they threw the caution. Like the minute they saw it snap loose, they threw the caution. It's like, yeah, he was sideways in the middle of the corner like completely sideways, like broadside to the field coming, you know? Right. Just, yeah. You're going to throw a caution because you don't want anybody to run around there and hit him in the door or something like that. And then they complained that, well, they didn't throw a caution at the end of it. And AJ Allmendinger got doored on the back straightaway. It's like, okay. They were past them all though. They happened behind everybody. And the fact that Allmendinger didn't stop, you know, just kept on going and finished the race. You know, that, that kind of defeats that argument to me. Because if they were stopped and they needed attention, they could have got attention because everybody had done pass the wreck. But anyway, I, I hear that I see that argument that NASCAR threw like an entertainment caution. And I don't think that's what happened here. I think it was just legit. The 10 cars about to spin out and he's broadside in front of the field. We need to throw a caution. 
But then he got straightened up. But he was still damaged beyond belief. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I spot on. I totally agree with you. I think uh, it was the best move to to throw the caution. Um, I'm 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 glad that the caution came out because one, you know, Caitlin and Drew would have won <laughs> that race, and then that would have spiked them, you know, way up in the point standings, which is something that I don't want to happen because I'm gonna be honest with you know talking about Vegas. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I might have miss, um, what's the word? Not misjudged, but I think I wasn't taking this, like our picks as seriously as I should have. <laughs> and um, I think I learned a lot in Vegas and uh, enough to a point where I actually went and erased all the, the drivers that I had I knew that selected was already. I knew that was coming. And I'm going to be a little bit more serious about uh, watching practice, or I won't be able to watch any of it, but trying to keep up with practice. Um, happy hour's not a thing anymore, but qualifying, uh, just trying to figure out who's fastest in practice, who's fastest in qualifying, and try to base off a, uh, a pick that way. But I mean, I'm glad that the caution came out honestly, because I kind of wanted to see a little bit of chaos and it was going to give Kyle Busch a little bit more of a hopeful advantage. Like, I mean, not really. He was 12th, I think when that restart happened. So we were pretty much out of it, but Hey, you know what? You never say never in NASCAR. And I was kind of hoping for a miracle. Did not get it actually got worse, you know, ended up 14th. So, um, I'm glad of how it ended. I think, you know, the best car absolutely won that race. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he wasn't the guy that was going to win without the caution, but he was the best car all day long. 100%. So I don't have a problem with that 24 car winning at all. He he, he had him. Um, it just worked out to where he wasn't at the end. He was uh, wasn't up front at the end of the race, but he got up front. He got there when he needed to be there. Absolutely. So my guy, Chastain, he, as far as I know, maybe he might have got – I think the highest he got was third all day long. But he rode at third for a lot of this race. Like, so right. he's right there in the top three. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good day regardless. It's going to be good. Solid points day, even if he doesn't. Yeah, you because know, he is the points leader. I, mean, I don't know about now, but he was a points leader. Um, with Joe Logano's problem, he might still be the points leader because that's the person he was racing with points. I'm not sure how that goes. But... Ross Chastain, he had a good solid day, and I think he was in like sixth or so when the uh, last restart started, and mm -hmm. he got behind Hamlin, and he started pushing Hamlin. And I, I know what he was trying yeah. to do. He's trying to push Hamlin past everybody so he could get up there. I mean, obviously, right. if he's on the start, and he's got this. The ninety-nine gave him a shot at the start-finish line, and it launched the one. And the one went pushing the 11, and he stayed on the 11. He's like, come on, we're going. You know, you complain yeah. about me wrecking you all the time. We're going. Let's go. You could, you might win this race if you do this right. But, nope, Hamlin couldn't handle it. Yeah, Hamlin actually did talk about that on his uh, podcast. And uh, he, I was kind of – I knew where he was going with it, and I was kind of waiting to hear the, the Ross, Ross 
bashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually didn't. He, I mean, he admitted that Ross got on him and, and was pushing him to a point where he felt like his back tires were off the ground, but he said he knew that they weren't. He knew what was, you know, he knew what was going to about, he knew what was about to happen Mm -hmm. and he completely expected it. He just was a little bit taken back by how deep uh, Ross, you know, pushed him in the corner to a point where when he turned, like when he turned his steering wheel, his car continued going straight. So he was like, oh, no. And at that point, he knew that he was just in for the ride. It's it's Vegas. I mean, they were running wide open at some points, and this is the last lap. You have to go. I right. mean, Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that Hamlin, I mean, the fact that that happened got Ross to back off. So he didn't wreck Hamlin. Because Lord knows that would have been another story. He wrecked Hamlin again, you know, all that kind oh, of yeah. crap. So he had to back off, and he, I think he went from like 6th to 12th on the last lap. And I was like, thank God. You know, I had a right. – he was going to be one of these one of these guys that was going to finish every race in the top 10 this year. Um, Logano was another one, I think, and now he wasn't going to do it. Both track house cars were going to do it, but I think only the 99 finished in the top 10 this week. It's like, man. And on top of that, all my DraftKings lineups fell out of the money. Every single one oh, of them. Oh, no. Like, goodness gracious. Just an awful race. I I wasn't, I might have been in the money like the, the, the start of the races. Like, at the start of the race, after about 15 laps, I was out of the money. I stayed out of the money all day long. Because all these people yeah. I thought were going to do well, like they did in practice and qualifying, they start fading to the back. And then the people I thought were going to start moving up, they never got past eighth or tenth. You know, Damn. so such a frustrating race. You had it right. You said it on Twitter. Is anybody as frustrated watching this race as I am? It's like, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I am. I'm trying to get into it, but you just have those races sometimes. You know, it's just how it is. Yeah, for sure. Phoenix is usually pretty interesting. Uh, if anything, seeing these crazy people go uh, underneath the apron on the, uh, I guess it's the front straightaway now. And go all the way down to the yeah. inside wall and make that track like 25 lanes wide on the front straightaway. If anything, that's interesting to watch on the restarts. Yeah. Um, that, well, I guess before we go into Phoenix, uh, you got a rundown of the in the Marvel's Fantasy Cup real quick? I sh- Yeah, I sure do. Uh, it was a good day for some, not a good day for and others. Nobody won. Uh, Nobody won, which is kind of exciting to me. Um, I honestly, when I realized that William Byron was the fastest, uh, was the fastest car the whole day, and then I realized that nobody in our fantasy cup picked him, I was the biggest William Byron fan. I said, "You get up there and bring it home, Willie." Willie B. Um, no, but yeah, that's it, it's interesting uh for our point standings so the 2023 in the marbled point standings after las vegas motor speedway we have a, a tie for first place which is justin and rj who suspiciously have picked the exact same driver three weeks in a row hmm. uh talk to him there's there's no you know that's just me being a conspiracy theorist um 
obviously, you know, they're just very coincidental. Uh, RJ and Justin both have 127 points, tying them for the lead. Billy is standing strong in third with 110 points. Uh, you, me, and John Brown are all tied for fourth place in the standings with 105 points. Drew is in seventh with 103. Caitlin is in eighth with 84. Rock and Rock, this is kind of funny. Rock actually did not, you know, he joined after the 500. So he has, did not get any points for the Daytona 500. But in the two races that he has picked, he's already skyrocketed from 15th to 9th. <laughs> he has 79 points. Matt has 76. He's in 10th. Uh, 11th, we have Brandy, and she has 75 points. Jessica is in 12th with 72. Joe is in 13th with 68 points. Josh is 14th with 57. And Tim is 15th, and he has 25 points. But that's okay. Don't worry about it yet. I mean, we we got a long ways to go. I'm, I'm happy with my picks so far. I've had some solid picks. I haven't had anybody finish outside the top 12 yet. Like, yeah, you're 12 is my, I mean, I haven't had a win yet, but 12th, I think I might be, am I the first one in the points at the top without a win? Like, am I the highest one? Like, has anybody else in front of us, in front of, I know you have, and you're tied with me. Uh, I would know, I think Billy sitting in third. Okay. He, um, yeah, has not gotten a win yet, but he's picking some good solid picks too, then. A very i think he's the only one that uh i know all of his picks have been top 10 finishes so far i was looking good i was looking good i was looking yeah. good for a solid top three pretty much all day long but oh well it is what it is um when we go into phoenix next week uh last winner at phoenix was obviously the championship race with joey logano yes. Ryan Newman finished second. Ross Chastain finished third. That's the only ones I know off the top of my head. Just because that's obviously I'm paying attention to see if Ross Chastain's going to win the championship and Logano wound up winning it. Did you say Ryan Newman? Did I say Newman? I meant Blaney. <laughs> it's late. It's like 10 o'clock when we're recording. It's late. It's like yeah. I've been in a jury all day long. Okay. I'm Jay So, um, Spoiler. No, sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, I didn't really do that. It's, I don't really watch it from day to day anyway. I just kind of see tweets about it pretty much. Yeah. I'll check out WrestleMania, but that's probably about it. Yep. Same here. Um, well, with Phoenix coming up, am I correct in hearing that we might have a prize for whoever may win the Phoenix race in the fantasy cup? Yes, you are correct. Our good friend and our in the marbles fantasy driver, Drew Vinsel reached out to me today. He said that he's been so inspired by the podcast and, and keeping up with the fantasy cup and how involved that he is with NASCAR. Uh, now he went and he bought a, I don't know, a deck of NASCAR cards. And he uh, actually happened to find a really cool one. I'm trying to pull it up here. 
I'm not exactly sure of the, like the terminology when it comes to like trading cards and stuff, but he said that he found a really cool Joey Logano uh, NASCAR card, and it has pieces of his fire suit. Interesting. Interestingly enough, it's Logano and Phoenix coming up. Like he's a he is the most recent winner there. So yes. that's interesting that that planned out, that it turned out that way. Yeah, absolutely. So that's got a little bit of uh, uh, incentive for everybody trying to pick a winner. So let's say hypothetically, Soda, Jessica, and Matt all pick the same driver, and, and that person wins. Ain't nobody picking my driver. Those three names will <laughs> get put into a randomizer, and. I think, what did we say uh, a couple months ago? We said, if it ever came down to a random randomizer, we would hit it three times. The name that lands on the third time was the winner of it. So, um, Connor Lagana will hit it 22 times on the 22nd. I'm kidding. We're not hitting it 22 times. Yeah. So, (laughs) only Austin Dillon amount of time. And then uh, <laughs> whoever you know that lands on on that third time is going to be the winner. So, um, yeah, you could possibly be the new owner of a really cool Joey Logano racing card. I'm assuming Drew would want his name taken out of it if that happens. I mean, but, I, I guess I didn't ask him. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure that out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Drew, before we get out of here, he's got a question. Yes, he does. And uh, more of a statement, he wanted to know what we felt about it. Um, The Cup Series uses these things on the windshield. Uh, They're clear clear pieces of plastic. And it basically, you rip the top layer off. There's several layers on there. You rip the top layer off and you get a new windshield. It's basically what it is. Yeah. Uh, A tear-off is what it's called. Drew doesn't like them he thinks they're like what tacky or pointless or something like that i don't know i don't remember the exact wording he said but he doesn't like them and he wanted to know our opinion on them yeah so me personally this is old technology made new like it's this technology has been around probably before i was you know i mean this is like old old technology this comes from dirt track racing. This technology does. I remember when I was a kid, the tear-offs from the drivers. Now, dirt track cars don't have windshields. You know, they crazy to think that you, you can race a race car without a windshield. Right. But they don't. They have the bars going across the windshield, and then some of them, like me, want a little more protection than that. So they had, like, chicken wire or something like that, something smaller to go across those bars. Um, So you would still get dirt. Like you get, debris wouldn't come through, but you would get dirt. Right. A lot of dirt, depending on the type of track it is. Like, dang, some heat races, when it's tacky, the dirt that would kick off a, a, just even a a slower front wheel drive car would cover my helmet. I'd have to use, you know, five tear-offs in a six-lap race just so I could see. Right. And then there'll be a 15, 20-lap, even a 50-lap feature, and I might not only use two all, all, all race long because it's dusty then. 
it's not muddy, you know. So when I was a kid, I remember finding the tear-offs that the drivers would pull off their helmets to give them yeah. a new visor. And what they would do, I always set mine up to where it would be uh, by the window net. So I would reach across with my right hand to my left ear and pull them across and they would go into the car and not get stuck out here by the window net and possibly mess me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure most, most drivers set it up that way, but rip it across new windshield, let it go. And there's no back window in these cars either. So it typically it just goes flying out. Sometimes it stays in the car, but sometimes it goes flying out the back window. When it does, it lands up there by the, uh, by the cash fence once in a while. So under intermission and stuff, when I was a kid, I would go up there and I would see these tear offs and I'd put them up to my face. I'm like, wow, look how dirty this is. He couldn't see anything, you know, that right. kind of stuff. I'd, I'd love doing that. I, co I collected so many of them things when I was a kid. And it's funny, it's, you know, when I was racing, I never kept any of them. Right. You know, it wasn't, it's just a thing that you ripped right. off your, your helmet. It didn't mean a dang thing to you at the back. There was a, a wad of them in, my, in, the, in, in the center of the car. You know, that never cleaned out, you know, just because like, what's the point? They're going to gonna fly out eventually. Right. But before, uh, before they put that technology on the windshield, you would have a guy stick this gigantic pole way out because he wasn't allowed over the wall, a gigantic pole with a squeegee on the end of it. And he would have to sit there and scrub and scrub mm. the windshield yeah. and then he'd have to raise it when the tire carriers come under it and flip it over and then squeegee it all off oh. while everybody's doing this this big long flimsy pole sitting out there just flopping and he's trying to trying to like precision rem you know remove grime and junk off the windshield and then you get oil sometimes and you can't get oil off of just like regular soap and water that fast everything's happening in like 18 or 20 seconds back then like you can't do it that fast. And right. so sometimes they would allow an extra guy over the wall to clean the windshield. So then you'd have the guy out there with a spray can and he's spraying and he's wiping it and he flips the rag over and he dries it. But then you have tracks like Daytona and some of these desert tracks that have a lot of sand. Did you see what the cars look like after California? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were sandblasted. Yeah. If they had, if they had that that technology where they were cleaning the windshield like the normal way with a squeegee or even a guy out there with a can and a rag, mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to see anything. No, not because no. Yeah, you just have the one windshield, and it's going to be completely scratched up. And uh, it's not because it's not glass; it's uh, Lexan, right? Yeah, I thought it yeah. was plexi uh, plexiglass. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. It's a bulletproof uh, windshield. That's made out of a really, really strong plastic, a type of plastic. So it's not glass. They used to actually run glass windshields back in the day. Oh, in the, my in goodness. The Cup series, like in the 80s, early 80s. They were still running glass windshields because I've, I've seen them break. Like I've seen oh. them fly out and break and flop and jump like that. So that's it's scary to think about. But no. back when they were still kind of stock cars to an extent. But ever since like the late 80s, they've always been plexiglass or something right. like that. But with a track like that, you can't you can't clean that windshield. You're never going to get that windshield 
to where the driver can see out of it, especially on some of these tracks where they have to enter a corner at dusk and the sun's setting right over the wall and you literally are blind. Oh yeah. Going into a corner or something you're, or down the front straightway, you're completely blind until you turn away from the sun. And at that point, they're just going by what they know. You know, they don't, I think that technology is excellent for these cars because now you don't even need another guy over the wall. It's like the Jackman. The Jackman, he gets to the driver's side, he jacks the car up, reaches over, snatch, and, and doesn't bother anybody. It takes a second and a half. Yeah. And when pit stops are like 12, 13 seconds now, that's a lot different than they were when they were like 20 seconds when they were still cleaning the windshield by hand. Yeah. You know, so I I think the technology is excellent. Me personally. Yeah, I think I think this is a really interesting question. Kind of a I don't know, it's just a very funny thing for him to notice. Uh because like you and I, we've been watching NASCAR for all of our lives, so that's just completely second nature. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't yeah. think, you know, someone that is just now getting into like rolling into NASCAR and stuff uh, to kind of get that little bit of a detail. It's kind of a really cool thing that he noticed that. And I think like his, most of his question was, you know, that he thought it looked silly, Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, a lot of, like you were kind of referring to, especially last week in Fontana, how, um, you know, whether it's sand, whether it's little like little bitty pieces of like I, w- I don't want to say gravel, but uh, little pieces of the race grit. grit, yeah, yeah, just grit. yeah, it'll come up and it'll it'll hit your windshield obviously, and it'll pit your windshield really bad. So eventually, like you're saying, when they're racing at dawn, you know, dawn, you know, it's it's really really hard with that sunshine hitting. It. I mean, with all your entire windshield is pitted up. Um, you can't really see very, very well. So it's kind of like um, trying to come up with any sort of analogy that would kind of best. It's kind of like a reset button almost, you know, it's just kind of NASCAR's way of, Hey, you know, you just raced 60 laps with a windshield that you can't really see out of. You just whoop. There it is. All right. Fresh start. Here you go. Let's go. Type of thing. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't, you know, you did a way better job of explaining it than I did. Um, that's just an integral part of it that I never had anybody ask, like, why do they do that? How come they do that? You know, all that stuff. So I haven't really had an opportunity to even think about how would you answer that question. So you did, you, you, you know, I couldn't say it better than you know myself than how you you put it earlier so well for sure i just i just have experience using tear-offs yeah you know so i can probably speak a little bit more specific about it but um kind of technology to do that on the windshield probably hasn't been around for what 10 12 years something like that it hasn't been around very long yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, I, I would think maybe about fifteen right. at the top, at the, at the latest. That's what I was saying. It was maybe fifteen max. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I remember when it first came around, when people started doing that, because not everybody did it all at once. It was like somebody started doing it and then it just kind of trickled into everybody else doing it, which is how usually some, some of these things go when it doesn't have a safety right. concern to it. Cause this doesn't have a safety. This is a convenience thing. Absolutely. It isn't a safety thing. Um, it isn't like, uh, oh, we're going to add these bars to this. And everybody else is like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. No, usually NASCAR says, you're going to add these bars. This is a good idea. Everybody's adding these bars next week. You know, that's, yeah. that's usually how the safety stuff goes. But with this being just a convenience thing, some people didn't figure it out. Like when they went to install them, they really didn't figure out how to install them properly. Do you remember the reports of like when there would be a little water or oil and they would get in between the layers? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? If oh, you yeah. got anything in between those tear offs, it's like that on a helmet too. If you got anything in between those tear offs, you ruined all the tear offs. Oh, yeah. I remember that specifically on my helmet a couple of times. Like I'd, I'd be racing and it would just be like really humid or a lot of moisture in the air or something like that. And my tear offs, they would just be sticking to each other. Right. Like moisture would get in between them and they would just stick to each other and it would completely mess up my vision. And I'd tear off, you know, rip one off and it would be the same way. And rip another one off, it'd be the same way. And you pretty much just have to go down to the helmet and just be wiping it with your glove at that point, just trying to, you know, just trying to see anything. Or, you know, sometimes the inside of the visor would fog up, but that was, that's another story that has nothing to do with tear offs. But yeah, I remember that in the cup series. Now, a lot, a lot of teams had trouble with that, with liquids getting in between the tear offs and they would pretty much be ruining the entire windshield oh, at that point. But anyway, that was the question from Drew. We'll, we'll, we'll comment from him, and uh, I hope we maybe got you to think they're not that silly. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> I like them. I, I like the idea of the tear offs on the windshield. Me it's a it's a great, very very intelligent question. You know, like a very good question from Drew. And the best part about the Lionel Racing diecast cards is on race version cars. You can actually see on the windshield where the little different colored piece of tape where you would grab that tear off, mm -hmm. windshield tear off, where they would rip it off. Uh, some of those diecast cars have that multicolored little, um, little the start of where you would snatch it off. So I might have to be sending him a couple uh, different uh, Snapchat videos tomorrow. And uh, no one. No in Lionel Racing, it probably has the exact amount of tear-offs left on the car that was at the end of the race. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I Once or twice, I think, I know at least once, I actually did run out of tear-offs. You know, usually it's like a six or eight lap heat race, and mm. I'll put like five on there for that. And then the feature, I'll do like seven. Because anything beyond seven or eight, you get to where you can't see that well. Right. Because you're just adding thickness to your shield at that point. Yeah. So I'd, maybe about seven or eight is about the max that I would ever put on there. I remember a couple of times I think I completely ran out. And at that point, you're just taking the back of your glove and and trying to wipe something clean when you're on the straightaway just so you can see something or try to stay away from people. So they're not throwing dirt. And when that dirt hits you in the face, 
I felt it both on front wheel drive and rear wheel drive cars with V8s. When that dirt hits you in the face on a tacky track, it rocks your head back. Oh, I bet. It's, it's the weirdest thing. You're not expecting it either. Like you should be expecting it. You're behind a person on a tacky, muddy track, and they uh, go to the corner and they hit the gas halfway through the corner, and you're behind them. That that traction, it hits you right through your windshield, like duh, 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 right in your head, right in your face. You know, just crazy. Oh yeah, it's a, absolutely. It's a crazy, crazy experience. You should buy you a car. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, I got a wedding to plan, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna throw it to the uh, podcast drafting partners real quick. Um, get on out of here. We talked a long time for Vegas to be such a boring race. Yeah, so we did. It is what it is. Uh, real quick, the fully postable wrestling figure podcast. Listen to those guys every week. Also, Scott Side Project the Drunk Wrestling History podcast, doing the favor with Eric and Barry. Um, Eric kind of had some questions about the flat earth thing, or it wasn't that flat earth, the oval earth thing. I, I think he was, you know, I think he was wondering if uh, I done went crazy or something. Yeah, and, but, and then, uh, really fast, <laughs> did you see that Barry, Barry actually correctly guessed the, uh, the, the he picture? Did. He did, I saw that. Yeah, Kevin Grubb in, in 2002. So, congratulations to him. That was that was a that was a reach. Yeah, I, I guess Tabo Dine, just because I knew the number was a Tabo Dine number at one point. Yeah, and I knew he was in there about that time. But I, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed Kevin Grubb. No, I couldn't even think of another car that he would have drove. Honestly, so yeah, that name never came to my mind. Um, also throwing it out to Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast and um, Howling with the Wolf with Jason Wolf and his Chop Shop as well. Really, really cool stuff he's doing right now. Also, a Disney World podcast I listen to. They haven't posted anything recently, but still check them out. Magic and the Mouse. And uh, who do you got, Ethan? Yeah, as always, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Uh, go check out shop.banemusic.com. For all of Bane's new merch, uh, you know it's fake, right? Go listen to the archives there. Saturday morning Rumble Wheel with Brian Breaker and Daniel Cross. TV Toy Cast with Brian Breaker and Travis Fowler. Really fast. Did you happen to watch the uh, Ethan Page toy vlog? I did not. Oh well, our friend Travis Fowler from the TV Toy Cast was uh, was in the background. That's and, cool. Yeah, really cool thing. Uh, really cool little situation there. So. Go check out TB Toy Cast. Uh, of course, No Holds Barred with Bill Venus. Very excited that uh, the newest season is underway. So go check that mm -hmm. out. You heard their commercial earlier. Go check out Tales from the Estate with Drew and Caitlin uh, with cameos from Rocco and Cole every once in a while. You can also hear our commercial on their show. And like Tales from the Estate, you also heard Pulling Up a Chair with our friend Tim at a Chair Shots commercial. Uh, so go check out that podcast. Um, Stolen Gimmicks Pro Wrestling Podcast with Joe and Jordan. They also play our uh, commercial on their show. So pretty cool. Ha really fast. And I know Jordan listens. Um, Jordan and I are really good friends. Have you ever, and I told him that I would call him out for this. Have you ever heard him? pronounce wwe uh i'm sure i have but i haven't thought about how he did it 
Oh my is, goodness. Is, is there a specific way I missed that he does that? Bruh, I'll tell you. And I literally <laughs> just told him about this earlier over Snapchat. But like the way she says WWE makes me like want to scratch the inside of my brain. It's so <laughs> it's weird. I cannot even explain it to you. Uh maybe next week I'll have like a a little loop that I can play of Jordan saying WWE. But uh like I know I say it pretty fast. Like I'll say WWE, you know, but mm-hmm. like, I don't even, I can't even explain it, but it's uh, super funny, but uh, definitely go check out um, Stolen Gimmicks Pro Wrestling Podcast with Jordan Jordan and Joe. Uh, Reffing it up with Brian Hebner drops every Thursday where RJ from In the Marbles Fantasy Cup is one of the producers. On top of that, Lionel Racing, the official diecast producer of NASCAR, they also have a podcast called Authenticated, the Diecast Collectors Podcast. And that is all I got. I actually found a more recent wave in Walmart the other day. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. I found it. I don't know if it was five or six, but it was every single one of them were there except for Rochester. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the one I was going to buy. Anyway. I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's show. Please, if you would, rate and review and follow us on all the social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, at In the Marbles Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. And uh, if you got any questions or comments you want to uh, send to the show, you can email us at inthemarblespod at gmail.com. You can also go to whatamaneuver.net, and that's where you're going to find our shirts and the shirts to a lot of the shows that we listed on this, on this thing, too. You can just search it by store in the top left corner. Uh, we're listed at In the Marbles. And um, also, if you go to skinnymixes.com, use the code MARBLES at checkout, you can save 10% off your first order. And before we get out of here, you got anything you want to add? As always, peace, love, and all the above. And we'll see you next time in the Marbles.